Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, welcome back. We're excited to be back. We've got a lot of updates on what's been going on. It's been very busy. But uh, before we jump into that, why don't you share a meme with us? Yes, I would love to share a meme with us, my guy. Thanks for asking. (laughs) (laughs) This meme comes to us today from L91. She says, the do one thing every day that scares you people don't seem to understand anxiety. I'm sorry, you wanted to share stories with someone who cliff dives and buys spontaneous plane tickets? Best I can offer is a phone call to my doctor's office or driving while it's dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, what's scary to some people is not scary to others. Yes, that's true. And believe it or not, when you are not doing well, that phone call to the doctor's office takes three days to summon the courage. (laughs) And if that is you, my friend, I hear you and well done. So what have we been up to? Gosh. There's been a lot. Well... You may or may not have noticed, everybody, that there's been some gaps in the recording and it's taken a hot sec while some things have been on hold because Max and Savannah, I think we announced that they were expecting new baby, which was so exciting. And then this summer, they received news that there were some complications with baby. Baby Indy is what her name is. So I flew back to Florida to kind of help as they were going through specialists and doctors and like trying to figure out what was actually going on. The diagnosis was triploidy, which is a lethal chromosomal condition. So once we went through all of that, then I helped them move back to Utah so she could get closer to her care team. Then I was back here for a few days and then um, Savannah went into labor and baby Indy came. Yes. So it was a Sunday morning and we had actually just finished recording. It was our last episode. It was literally like they texted that they were going into labor but our phones were off because we were recording. Yeah. So we finished recording. We get this message that Savannah's going into labor. This is she's like 25 weeks. Yeah. A couple of months early, mm-hmm. which we were not necessarily we, surprised. We weren't surprised, but it was soon. Yeah. But we were not surprised just because of the nature of triploidy. We kind of knew what to expect and that it would most likely be earlier. And we just wanted to make sure Savannah was okay. And yeah. So we madly run around and throw things in suitcases <laughs> and run to the airport as fast as humanly possible. Yes. And the fastest we could get there, we, we probably got there at what? It was like a couple or... hours. Oh, up in up in Utah where yeah. she delivered. Yeah. It was it was like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or something. And we were so fortunate to get there in time to hold baby Indy. Baby Indy passed during labor. Yeah. But they let uh, Max and Savannah keep her for a little bit and connect and bond. And uh, we got to be in that window. Yeah. We could also connect and hold her and bond. And it was amazing. I mean, sad, obviously, and very difficult. But at the same time, a huge blessing. Then we stayed up there for a week. And I worked remotely. And then there was a celebration of life. We did a little celebration for Indy. Saturday. And then we've just been recovering because there's a little bit of sadness, uh, obviously, around that. And we sure love our kids and are so proud of them. But they were absolutely incredible through the whole thing. Yeah. I, I put together a reel because we did start a, a campaign, donation campaign for them just to kind of assist with some of these medical costs and memorial expenses. And 
it's a lot of financial responsibility on a little couple, you know, and they're just headed off to med school pretty soon here. So we started that campaign and I just finished finally putting a beautiful reel together for it last night. So go look for that. I'm going to have it posted up on the account and you can kind of see a little bit more of the story and some beautiful pictures, but Max and Savannah were absolutely incredible and so inspiring to watch all the way through this journey because after the first little bit, they kind of knew what was coming. And so their whole attitude was, we can't just spend her whole little life here with us being sad and crying. So they were very conscientious in taking her to do all of their favorite things so that she could experience that too. So we did beach days when I was back with Savannah. We went for girl shopping days, um, favorite foods. They had picnics. They went on family walks, took Indy to a concert. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to pause this while we regroup all of our emotions. (laughs) Yes. So obviously, baby Indy experienced all of that while still in her mama's tummy, but nonetheless, she got to experience it. So that is the update on where we've been and why there's been a little bit of a, a gap in, in us recording. But we are back. And now we're fanning our eyes. We are back. Trying to pretend like we're, you know, okay, we're ready to record. <laughs> We can do this. <laughs> so, we can do this, right? So, yes. All I need to do is bring up a topic that gets you passionate and fired up. Oh, shoot. This one is it. This <laughs> one is it. Yep. Yep. I'm about to get heated already. I just looked at the title and the notes written down. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm already mad. So. <laughs> so, I don't know. People may not know this about Mikkel, but she has been critical of life coaching in the past. And maybe unfairly so. Because you probably a a little bit unfairly so, but I've had a couple very strong and difficult experiences with life coaches where they cross over into areas, mental illness specifically, because that's our world and what I live in that have proved to be so dangerous. And so it's made me really, really opinionated about life coaches. Well, and really what brought this up as a friend of yours, you had an exchange about life coaching and had the back and forth, the back and forth. The friend said, well, isn't that what you do? And I said, "Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And it also was interesting because I have another um, acquaintance that I had kind of been messaging back and forth about life coaching. And she threw out a couple of really interesting questions that made me stop and think, why do I get fired up about this? What is my stance on it? And what's my opposition to it, really? And as you and I went through the discussion, I'm like, you know what? This is actually interesting stuff because I get questions like this all the time. And I am opinionated about the life coach. And what I've realized is there's just such a varying spectrum of what life coaches do and don't do, the qualifications they may or may not have, the training they do or don't receive, and the amount of practice that they've also had in certain areas. And I do believe there are certain areas like ours, where you have a significant diagnosed mental illness that life coaches should not be practicing in. And that is, I hold firm to that opinion and we'll get into why. But I did realize that there are a lot of areas that life coaches can be very, very helpful in. And so that's where I was kind of like, you know what, I've been a little bit unfair in some of those situations. Like I have an awesome friend who life coaches around weight loss, like perfect. Like that's, she helps a lot of people that way. There's a lot of life coaches that help a lot of people in different ways, and there's certainly a place for them. So it's just worth a discussion to talk about why I don't feel like they're appropriate in a diagnosed mental illness space. Because your entire universe, your lens. Yeah, everything I look at is through 
diagnosed massive mental illness that disrupts everything in your life and world yes. always and usually blows it up so and, and so then viewpoint, right and then sure. it's like well how, what role does a, a life coach play in the mental diagnosed mental illness realm and your perspective is very little to none very little to none it, <laughs> it's that, true in that in, in that, that very narrow, specific realm and niche yeah and i want to get into why i have these super strong opinions so Many years ago, before I went into my first psychiatrist that literally changed my life, got me into the tracking, um, got me onto some great medications. We had a ton of open communication. That's where I saw my first very real stability is through him. But I was on, you know, a cocktail of medications, as I like to call it, right? It's a cocktail, it's a little party pack. And I still like, it's still hard to be on medications. And as you're getting used to it, we were still doing some adjusting, right? It was, it was earlier on in the process. We're still doing some adjusting. I'm experiencing side effects that I don't necessarily like. And I also still don't love to be quote unquote bipolar, not quote unquote diagnosed. <laughs> I have bipolar disorder period. That's you're not quote unquote. So that's a, that's a statement, factual statement. But I do remember still feeling the weight and a little bit of embarrassment and shame and stigma because I didn't understand it all the way at that time. And in the meantime, if people want to go back and listen, this is a fabulous, it's like one of our very first episodes, Harriet the Witch Doctor. I think it was, I, I think I may have softened the title to like why I use medication or something like that. The original title was Harriet the Witch Doctor. And this is why, this is the story. Because there are a, a lot of women, I mean, a lot of women experience mental illness um, symptoms, maybe to a lesser degree, even if you don't have a significant diagnosed mental illness. And we've kind of talked about that mental wellness versus mental illness and, you know, how you can have mental wellness with mental illness. But a lot of those symptoms, like they can cross over and it can get very murky in the waters. So there were a lot of women in my area that were going to see Harriet, the witch doctor, that really were singing her praises. And I was like, cool, I'm down to try pretty much anything. So I go in and start meeting with Harriet, the witch doctor. It's really awesome if we can explain where she worked at. I feel like it really just enhances the story visually and maybe will help people to just like understand perhaps my nuttiness in <laughs> continuing to take medical advice from her. Now, in fairness, uh, Harriet, the witch doctor, was not promoting herself as a life coach. No, she was not. She was also not promoting herself as a witch doctor. That was right. just something that I coined after the fact. What, what did she say? She's did... a kinesiologist. Okay. Licensed? Unlicensed? You know what? I didn't ask. That's <laughs> why now I know to ask because I don't, I, well, I know it wasn't licensed because her daughter was quote unquote, this is quote unquote for yes. real, quote unquote, working with her and a kinesiologist in training. So that was all the training that, you okay. know, her daughter was getting. She worked out of a health food supplement store. It was like vitamins and supplements and like tinctures and serums and, you know, stuff like that. But they have a small back room, like a back alleyway storage room. There's a bathroom back there and there's a little closet that literally is like the size of a coat closet. You can barely fit two chairs, folding chairs, knee to knee in there. <laughs> and that is where Harriet practiced. That is where I went to her. And that is where she told me with a full straight face and all the confidence of an untrained kinesiologist in the world that I was not bipolar. I did not have a diagnosed mental illness. I needed to shift my mindset and get the right vitamins in my body. Mm -hmm. And I listened to her. I went yeah. back to her repeatedly. I spent like, this is humiliating, over a thousand dollars on all of these different tinctures and supplements and like liquid, I don't know, 
all the things that she told me that I needed they were absolutely necessary. They were absolutely necessary, but she was going to get me off my medication and yeah. I was not bipolar. Yeah. And the, I think the reason why I listened is because I wanted that to be true. Yeah. Like that's a better answer. I'm like, oh no, you just mostly need vitamins and figure out how to, how to naturally. be healthy and strong in your mind naturally, quote yeah. unquote. And the, you will no longer have mental illness that you have to manage for the rest of your life. I'm like, yeah, I choose A. A is way better than B where you're going to be living with this diagnosis forever. And you're probably always going to have to be, you know, adjusting and managing and on medication in reality. Like, I don't that one. Nobody wants to hear that one. Right. So, yeah, I go with plan A with the untrained, unlicensed kinesiologist in the back closet of a health food store. So that's who I decide to take my medical advice from. And how did the uh, supplements, how did that go for you? Uh, <laughs> you already know how it went. <laughs> for me, you are here. <laughs> it went poorly. That is how it went poorly. Okay. So I'm on these and, you know, she's weaning me off medication without a medical license, by the way, which yeah. is never, oh, never, man. never do. That's problematic. But I, I, that's what I wanted to hear. Like, I don't want to be on my medication. So she just starts like gradually tapering me off as we're increasing all of my thousand dollars worth of like brown liquid serums that make me gag and almost throw up every time I put them under my tongue, whatever. That's not the story. The story is the rest of this. So I don't know. It was like probably three or four months and I was weaning off and weaning off and weaning off. And I was not doing well at all. Like I was back on the couch. I was not functioning, but I felt really good because I was making again, quote, we're going to use a lot of fake air quotes in this episode, quote unquote, progress in the right direction of getting off of medication and handling this in a natural way. Yeah. Right. And that's like, yeah, that sounds better. Yeah. I want to do it that way. Okay. But the problem is it wasn't working. Yeah. And I remember laying on the couch um, one day and you're like, Mikkel, what, why are you listening to this woman? Why, what are you doing? And you rarely say anything to me. You are not opinionated. You are not micromanaging. You're like a super good support that most of the time keeps your mouth shut and nods. Like, no, I don't want to say you're a yes man, but you're like <laughs> super careful not to break the eggshells as you're tiptoeing around when I'm not doing well. You pick right? your battles. <laughs> okay. Fair. That's a fair point. So like that's very atypical for you to to say something like that or in a way that's as strong as that too. Like either, mm -hmm. both things are very atypical of you and of us at that time. So that did make me stop and think, but I also wanted her to be right because I liked that answer better. I don't want to, I didn't want to be bipolar. I don't want to be on meds and I don't want to be managing this for the rest of my life. So I'm like, nope, I'm going to continue listening to untrained kinesiologists in the back closet of a health food store. I choose Harriet the witch doctor. That's who I choose. Throwing all my eggs in that basket. Well, obviously you didn't stay with her forever. So what? Because that's where I had my suicide attempt. After a few more months, like I could not cope. And in my brain, seriously, I was like, this is awesome. I'm almost all the way off my meds. Woo! You know, yeah. you're like, oh my gosh, pinching the bridge of your nose, shaking your head, like trying to keep your lips sealed so as to not cause an eruption. Yeah. But um, it led to my suicide attempt. And I realized after that suicide attempt, like, okay, okay. Like, I am not going to lose my life to this. I have like, I, whatever you want to call it, bipolar, like, I don't care if you want to get to the, the diagnosis. I don't, I don't care what it is. You're not okay. And you were okay on meds. And number two, like this happened 
I call Harriet the witch doctor and she's like, whoa, I, I mean, I didn't see that one coming. Like, really, you didn't see that one coming? So it's a little bit problematic that you didn't see this one coming when you knew I was not doing well because I've been talking to you about it. Yeah. Fortunately, I could still get into my psychiatrist. And in a situation like that, if I had not already been an established patient, and even though I hadn't been in for, I don't know, four months or and I was not complying because I wasn't taking my medication, they still took me in the very next morning on an emergency appointment. And that's a part where I would have been checked into a facility had I not been able to get into the psychiatrist right then. Yeah. So I know I haven't been hospitalized, but it's it's really just like a fluke of good circumstances because there were a couple of different instances where I could have been and most likely should have been. Well, and diagnosed mental illness is so important and such a big deal mm-hmm. that trusting it to an unlicensed person is just very, very dangerous. Because they don't have training. A lot of women that I knew, like we saw some great results with our dear friend, Harriet, the witch doctor, right? Yeah. Because they don't have a diagnosed mental illness that is affecting and dictating so much of all the areas of their life, right? So those like things managing that. might have actually helped your friends who didn't yeah. have right. diagnosed mental illness. Yes. And, and they did. And so it's not like these things are completely true or completely false, but They're just not appropriate. They're more circumstantial. Yes. Like you have to know what help you're needing and be in the right place for that help. And in my world, in our world with significant mental illnesses, you must, it is an absolute must have somebody licensed, very qualified, a ton of education and professional around this topic. They have to be somebody with a lot of experience and specialized training. And well, that's even, a psychiatrist. Well, even with that as your baseline, mm-hmm. you still have people that aren't that great. Yeah. That and you, you still have to do homework and homework and homework right. to find but that's gotta a be great team. But like that's your bare minimum. bare minimum. That's your basement level. Yeah. And we were like 20 stories below basement level with our, our Harriet the Witch Doctor approach. Yeah. It's like if you're hiring somebody, you know, if you've ever gone through the hiring process and you put on the application, you know, or the job posting, must have an undergraduate degree, must have this. You know, there are certain basics to even be considered for the job. And I think the same thing when you're going to hire, essentially, a psychiatrist or a therapist or whoever, you've got to have these basic And licensing is it. That's your basis level. They must be licensed. And this is our opinion. So it's... And even if they're licensed, doesn't mean they're good. Right, right. But that's your bare minimum. You can't go to somebody who's not licensed in these areas. Yeah. Like stakes are too high. That was my first experience with right. listening to um, a non-licensed medical professional trying to treat a diagnosed mental illness. And that's how that went. And then like that kind of carries over into the life coaching arena. You also had somebody ask you, well, aren't you a life coach? Don't you do life coaching? And so, you know, we really want to talk a little bit about what we do <laughs> versus what life coaches do and that we're doing well and that comment made me really really mad and i got a little bit of hot under the collar yes at the moment because i i mean my hot under the collar means my facial expressions like if you've listened past you know it's my face that does the talking even though my lips are nice and quiet so my face was like "Mm, mm, 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 you did not just say that (laughs) and i was about ready to jump her in the parking lot but my lips fortunately kept sealed and together so then you and I have talked about it since, and then we've gone round and round trying to figure out, okay, why, why am I so opposed to this and what is the difference? And, and I think it comes down to what are the qualifications for a life coach? What does a life coach do? Like, 
what type of training and education do they get? And that's where we kind of talked about how varied it is. Right. And so with coaching, I mean, really what we're doing is providing information. We're Mm -hmm. providing perspective, information. You know, you intentionally don't talk about what medications you're on because you don't want to suggest to people that that's what's going to work for them or to try to recommend certain things for them to try because you just don't know. And that is why we always refer to professionals. Anybody who reaches out, we always are like, look, I'm not a professional. This is my experience, but you're going to want to consult a psychiatrist. You're going to want to consult a counselor. And when people reach out to me personally and individually, it's the same thing. I'm like, look, I'm not a licensed professional. So you're going to want to go see a professional. And I, I mean, I'll sit and talk about any of my own experiences, but I would never give somebody advice. And that to me is the distinction between a life coach versus somebody like a mental illness life coach versus mental illness life education. You are talking about an interesting distinction in the legal profession because you're an attorney by trade. Yeah. There's a difference between legal information and legal advice. And you can get in trouble for giving legal advice if you're not a licensed attorney, but providing legal information is not the same way. Legal information is just general advice about, I mean, general information about a a topic, a legal topic. But the problem is when somebody comes to you and asks, okay, I understand that, but here's my situation. What would you recommend? Now it's turning into legal advice. And now if I do that without a law license, then I'm doing the unauthorized practice of law, which can be you know, sanctioned by the state bar. And they actually refer to people as paralegals. You have a paralegal that's trained in a lot of legal things, but they can't give specific legal advice because they don't have a law degree. Right. Right. And so there's a realm for paralegals, similar to life coaches. You can get licensed or you cannot be licensed and just have education and experience. You wouldn't go to a paralegal to ask strategic questions about your case. Or if you Mm -hmm. did, you probably would get unreliable advice. Do you remember, is it, I can't remember what movie it is. It's, it's the legal one with uh, Danny DeVito and Matt Damon. It's one of the John Grisham movies. Is it the Rainmaker? Is it something else where Danny DeVito can't pass the bar? Like he's gone to law school, whatever. He's taken the bar 12 times or something absurd like that. And he's never been able to pass the bar. So he refers to himself as a paralawyer because he doesn't have the legal quality. He can't call himself a lawyer. He calls himself a paralawyer and still practices law, but gets around it by calling himself a paralawyer. Well, and, and so they, they use the term paraprofessional in a lot of different areas and not just in law. In life coaching but, as but well. But yeah, I read an article that talked about life coaches as being paraprofessionals. You know, the therapists are professionals. You know, licensed. Licensed professionals. Psychiatrists, they're licensed professionals. Life coaches are paraprofessionals. And they're not regulated or trained in the same way and just like paralegals, I mean, there's there's a place for paralegals, but you in have the legal to, community in the legal community. Right. But you have to know where your boundaries are, and you can't veer off beyond those boundaries. And I think the challenges with life coaches is drawing those boundaries and making sure that the life coaches stay within those boundaries and don't start to veer off into the world of psychiatry or psychology and. And, and doing these things and giving advice and coming up with treatment plans and, and all of these things that should be done by the licensed professionals. 
So we're not saying there's no use for life coaches. We're because just saying there is there it's, but the scope of what they should do uh, is very limited in our realm of in our diagnosed realm. mental illness world. Yes. yes. And I want to keep, you know, pointing us back to that and specifying because that's specifically what we're talking about here. The other thing that you also alluded to life coaches do not have any type of governing board at all right so like in the like legal profession attorneys, of paralegal like you're still if you do un- unauthorized practice of law you're still going to run into trouble because there's a governing board yeah so the state bar uh, will regulate the unauthorized practice of law and if it comes to their attention that a paralegal's out there doing things that a lawyer should be doing they will pursue that and uh, a paralegal can get in trouble for doing that but you've got the state bar that is the regulatory entity I suppose maybe it's just the attorney general that regulates if a paraprofessional, if a life coach extends beyond their limited right. scope. Because like in the doctor's world, Harriet, the witch doctor could not prescribe me medication, right? That's governed very tightly. Only licensed doctors can prescribe medication. And in counseling world, they're still governing boards, even though it's different and there are different counselors for different things for licensing and things like that. Um, there's still a governing board that what you can and can't do and advice you can and can't give and how much you can and can't get involved. And, you know, at what point do you need to report to law enforcement or other seek other professional help? There's there's rules and bounds around all of it. And there is not in the life coaching industry. Yeah. Although we did see one article where there was a a life coach. She had uh, five felonies for uh, really practicing without a license. She, She was meeting with people giving them treatment plans, acting as a licensed therapist. And I think some of that was specifically in addiction. So very specialized area, like mental illness, you know, very specialized area. And so it's not common, um, but it's, it's definitely not regulated to the extent that it it should be. But, but in our world of mental diagnosed mental illness, you know, it's very risky relying on advice from life coaches. And here's the problem with if, if a person has a diagnosed mental illness, And so let's say the coach says, well, I'm not going to, you can work with your therapist on that, but I can help you with your relationship with your friend over here. I can help you with your relationship with your spouse, or I can help even weight loss. Uh, Or even finances or something like that. Like it's all connected. It's all tied. Yeah. It's all tied in. There's no way to extrapolate and be like, no, my financial issues have nothing to do with the fact that I have full-blown manic episodes where I spend $5,000 at a time. Right. Like, no, it has everything to do with that. Or my my marriage issues have nothing to do with my mental illness. It's just something compartmentalized over here. You Mostly know, it, just has to do with my husband's a jerk. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, babe. <laughs> so I think that's why it's problematic for life coaches to coach people with diagnosed mental illness at all at all but that's why you can't that's my opinion pull it apart the other thing i want to bring up too is i think one of the good things about the life coaching industry is just like the empowerment that they teach and are trying to convey and give to your to their clients right and that Mm -hmm. is a really good thing because a lot of times sometimes we're in situations in our life and we feel powerless and out of control so that's something really good that life coaches give us the double-edged sword and dangerous part on that for a diagnosed mental illness 
is the stigma that comes in. A lot of times people think, oh, this is a weakness. Oh, if you just were stronger mentally, if you just had a better mindset, if you just were trying to be more positive, if you just took steps every day to, you know, control your own life and take charge of your own destiny, those things are dangerous for somebody with a diagnosed mental illness, because that is not the issue. The issue is there's a physical problem inside the brain. And that tends to be what I've seen, like the direction that most life coaches talk yeah. and the, the Which is very biggest good. things that they tell them, but that's not good for someone with mental illness. Right. Well, and I would say that, you know, when Sam was in high school and he first started to miss class and not be able to get up, I thought this was a motivational issue. Yeah, we treated it like a a, a life coach solve like, where we're trying to like discipline and enforce rules and yeah. empower and like give consequences and or what incentives like, first, or yeah, whatever. We handle but, it very much like that. And that was absolutely the wrong way for him. Yeah. And thank heavens he was okay. And so he was suicidal for a time period. And it was so much more dangerous than what we even understood. And in hindsight, we're so lucky that he's okay and we're all okay together and we have a great relationship. That could be helpful for some teenagers who lack mm-hmm. motivation, who lack, you know, drive that they just need, they need some, some help, you know, right. just so I think there can be a, a life coach that could help teens in that situation. Because that's a very general approach, but it's it's a general approach because it works a lot of the time. Right. That's why it's a general approach. But the other experience that I've had that I also want to bring up is I have a friend whose sister had diagnosed depression. She was going to see a life coach and the life coach gave the best life coaching advice she had. And that was all about empowerment and like taking control. So she advised her to go off her medication and instead be handling things in a different way. And the sister ended up losing her life by suicide. Yeah. Those stakes are so high. So that to me, like I really was like, I mean, so opinionated about life coaches. See, all I had to do is throw out something that you were passionate about. <laughs> get I you fired up. Forgot all about the update. <laughs> Not really. But yeah, I was I was real hot under the collar about that one too. This happens where unlicensed people try to do the work of licensed people. Mm-hmm. And and many people fall for it. We've we've fallen for it in the uh, contractor realm. There are Bob, <laughs> Bob, if you'll recall our pool building experience over a year and a half, and we were first working with Bob who got fired. Well, and, and you and I sat down when we were looking at redoing our backyard and we're looking at the cost of everything. Yeah. And then we're talking to different people. We talked to a fully licensed pool building company and eyes popped out of our heads when we saw how much yeah. it was going to When they cost. gave us our estimate and I'm like, <laughs> dude, we could do it for so much less than that. We'll build another house for that. and so we started looking around like well how can we do this and we talked to neighbors and we i mean so many people and we got referred to bob who was our first uh again air quote contractor because he wasn't a licensed contractor but he acted as a licensed contractor in managing your whole project and so because he presented himself that way then i'm like oh yeah he'll do the pool and do the whole thing well, but he told us he was not licensed. He did. But yeah. that's because you're an attorney and you're like, show me all your contracts, show me all your everything. And he's like, let me specify. I am not a licensed contractor. I act as a general advisor. And this is my fee. And More like, a, like and... a pool building coach. <laughs> he's just going to be our pool building coach. Coach. <laughs> well, that's the thing is there's so many times where people use the word coach to try to circumvent licensing requirements. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
okay, you can't you can't do that. I mean, if you're still doing if you're still acting license, as a licensed contractor, the then you that, are liable as a licensed contractor. Yeah. The fact you call yourself a coach. So he, he could have called himself, you know, Bob, the pool building coach. It would have curtailed the amount of people who wanted to use him. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, uh, my brother was looking at building a pool. And when he found out that Bob wasn't a licensed contractor, he's like, uh, no. <laughs> but Bob, to be fair, yes. has done a lot of beautiful yards in the neighborhood. The problem is if we had just done an absolutely generic, I don't want to say generic, but like all Bob's yards look pretty much identical. The shape's different, but they've got all the same elements. They use all the same materials. They've got, you know, the pools are put together all pretty much the same way. Well, and Bob pretty much gives them like a handful of options. Like, do you want this, yeah. this, or this? Yeah. It's... Like, this is what it is. This is what my yard looks like. Yeah. And he did keep saying that to me. Like, this is what my yard, just trust me. Trust me that this is what my yard will look like. But the problem is we had been planning it. We had a very custom yard in mind. Very, very custom. I had been planning it in detail for a year and a half. I had the whole thing drawn out. Like, we're not looking you, for a generic cookie cutter yard. Yeah, you designed it basically from scratch. It's not yes. like you're pulling, you're like, I want one like this, or I want yeah. one like this. It's like, I'm designing this specifically for my yard. Yes, and you will recall that I had a time period where I worked at an interior design firm, which I loved. It was so fun. But I am very, very specific with my design stuff. I love it a lot. I'm super detail-oriented. So these were not up for negotiation. Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm actually not looking for your ideas. I'm looking for you to execute the plans we have already drawn and been working on for a whole year and a half. Yeah, That's where we ran into conflict because Bob had a great general approach for somebody who doesn't know what they want, who is just like, yeah, I just want a pretty yard. I think I want a pool and maybe I want like a fire pit and maybe a built-in barbecue. Yeah, that's the yard I want. Cool. You'll do that. Awesome. Bob's a great fit for somebody like that, but that was not us. You didn't tell him all the specifics. You had big picture specifics, but how to put in, like what pool pump to use and what. Right. Like, I don't know that. Like, you don't stuff. know. No, I don't know that stuff. So you had the big picture. I'm but like, the were... pool is this dimension. It is this shape. It's this deep. Um, we want a Baja shelf for grandkids. You know, right. we want a jumping wall. Like, I knew a lot of that stuff, but I don't know the mechanics and engineering behind pool building. That's what they needed a contractor for right that's what we wanted him for and so the thing is do you need a pool coach for that or do you need a pool contractor and it turns out we needed a pool contractor was out who would have known <laughs> a licensed contractor that to do that but yes we parted ways and we finished with someone else so that's the yard version of why you want to use licensed professionals and mental illness is not a standard. It's a no, very custom. It's extremely nuanced. Yeah. Very custom. You're not going to be able to get the results you need without having somebody licensed and very, very specific. You know what I did? You brought up an article. Um, you shared it with me a little bit earlier about life coaching and like what what the ethics and boundaries should be for a life coach. And it was so interesting to me. And I want to uh, ask you a couple things about that. Well, I'll just read a sentence from this, um, the online therapist. And it's an article about life coaching and mental illness. And it says a potential minefield. One of the sentences says, life coaching is on the rise. And a quick search on Google for life coaching for mental health will bring up many pages from coaches who claim that they can help clients with serious mental health issues. Uh, many of them say that any support is good, 
and many of them are recovering addicts or people who have recovered from serious issues themselves. And he goes on to say, I can see a value for this. There is value in that. Um, but he also said he's had clients that get referred to him from life coaches when the life coach is like, this is beyond what I can do. And then he gave an example of one of his clients who was actually diagnosed by some a life coach via Facebook. Um, as bipolar, right? Yeah. His diagnosis bipolar via Facebook chat. And that's dangerous uh, because they're not licensed. Yes. And you probably don't need to be doing that through Facebook chat. You know what, though? I do want to say huge, huge props to this life coach for recognizing and saying, you know what? I'm out of my depth here. I'm going to refer you to somebody who specializes in this. That I think is very responsible life coaching. Yeah. So even though I'm like, I don't think I would take, I, I don't think I would take coaching from, you know, Facebook chat, but that again is because of the very specific niche of help and area that we live in. The other thing he talked about is when you're dealing with suicide issues, he's, he talks about how hard it is when you're a fully licensed, experienced professional, these are very difficult waters to navigate. Mm-hmm. If you're a newbie and you're a life coach, it's like it's virtually impossible that you're going to get it right. Yeah, that's like throwing your kindergartner there and saying, hey, build our pool. <laughs> oh, wait, that was Bob. <laughs> that's mean. <laughs> that was mean and uncalled for. And I apologize. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think if you're a life coach and, you know, issues with suicide come up, I mean, that's an immediate. That's an app like drop. Flag. Yeah, I I am all the way out of my depth here and I'm going to refer you to somebody who specializes in this. Yeah. And also, that's another thing. I know there's a lot of online counseling with licensed people. There's a lot of online stuff, but I do believe like you are in a dangerous spot if you're suicidal, if suicidal ideations, like if you're just really, really struggling and you are not stable, get in person and take somebody who lives with you and loves you with you to give like a balanced perspective, which is, you know, what I feel like you do so many times for me, because I, I think I'm doing fine, or I don't think things are as bad as they are. And you're like, oh, sweetie, yes, they are. No. <laughs> they're bad. <laughs> oh, they're there. <laughs> but she would never be patronizing in that way. I just like to joke about it. Well, and the last thing that they said in this article was, you know, that there's no doubt that life coaching is on the rise and will continue mm-hmm. to to rise in popularity. And there is a place for it, like we've talked yeah, about. And we want to make sure. I do want to say that. And, and that's where I feel like I actually owe an apology to some really excellent life coaches who are doing very good things in the areas that they're helping in. Yes. I so they do were, need to do that. I There are some un, really good ones. They're unfairly maligned. They were. I, I automatically uh, just assumed the worst. And that was unfair and inaccurate. And frankly, a little bit unprofessional of me. <laughs> but the other thing that they kind of talked about, too, is people have gone through it. It's more of like a peer coaching or, or a peer experience. You know, I feel like that's maybe more of what we do. Education and also just like peer counseling where I'm not giving advice. We're just saying we've gone through this. This has been our own experience. Well, and, and, and there's some value motivation. in that and motivation. And that's that really is what I was lacking way back when too, because I did have professionals way back when, yeah. but I didn't have somebody telling me, hey, you can have a happy life. You can have a happy family. You can have a happy marriage. Like your life is going to be okay. And that's what I needed. And, and that's really more of what this is, is education, motivation, support, but it's not professional advice. Right. And throwing out ideas and things to consider. 
Mm-hmm. But we're certainly not going to tell someone specifically for their situation. No, do like, this, do this. We're not diagnoses with, or act professionally or recommend meds or I don't I don't know. Like we're to come up with a therapy plan of some sort. We just don't do that. So we're not coaching people on through their mental illness, but more of cheerleaders that's along, right. along the side, cheering people on, saying you can do it. Good job, babe. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for doing the research on this one. It took a minute of you, you talking through this to figure out why I was so hot and mad <laughs> about that, uh, the acquaintance that commented on that. <laughs> it's really good therapy for me to go through this, yeah. having to articulate why my thoughts are what they are. So Glad anyway. we can have this therapy session Listen, with all of yes, you. Yes. Thank you for listening in on our therapy session to all of you. We love you all so much, but we do enjoy doing this. Like we get a lot of value out of it as well, but we love the opportunity to just be helpful in this space. So thank you. Thank you to all of the professionals and all of the also paraprofessionals yeah. who also help in appropriate ways in their space. So we love you all. Thank you for joining in and listening. If you like this podcast, rate it and share it with a friend, but maybe only a friend like who doesn't life coach in mental illness areas because they are not going to like this episode. So don't share this one with them. (laughs) Here a different episode where we're really nice. (laughs) If you have topics that you would like to see covered, you can submit them on Instagram at mentalillness.warrior.com or on our website, mentalillnesswarrior.com, where we do offer resources from some wonderful licensed professionals. That is a true statement. So remember, there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. We will see you next time. See you next time.